Okay, welcome guys. Today we're going to talk about terminology and orientation in the context of anatomy and this is going to be a quite an early tutorial for you to listen to uh, as you're really getting to grips with the language that's used in anatomy. So for today, what I hope that you can get out of this are these three things. Um, and the most important one is probably being able to use anatomical terms in a conversation with somebody else. And this is something that you're going to take through your medical career uh, as a nurse, a GP, uh, a physiotherapist. Um, and it will be really, really important that you understand it very well. So where I like to start with this is that communication relies on some sort of convention. You know, right now I'm using the English language to talk to you and you can understand it because you've learnt English. Uh, on the roads, for example, we know the meaning of road signs and we know if an arrow is pointing to the right, you can't turn left. That would cause an accident. Um, if you were to be in aviation or, or sailing, we know words like roll and pitch and yaw describe the position of the plane or the boat in space and they're specific words that are used in those fields only. And then we have words like outside and inside that have meaning to us and we can understand what they mean. So once we understand the meaning of the words, then you need to use them in a way to direct yourself around the world. Um, and are you still someone who does this to uh, figure out their left and their rights? Or are you someone that's learnt how to use the Southern Cross as a means to navigate south? Um, that's a good convention that people use to direct themselves. Um, I think most of us will probably use Google Maps, uh, which uses GPS, and that sort of does all the hard, uh, you know, number crunching for us. But we still have to understand the convention of arrows and colors and numbers in order to make sense of it. So in anatomy, the default position that we always refer to, this is really where the convention is based. Uh, this is called the anatomical position. And you can see this picture here. We've got a, a person standing uh, erect, nice and straight, um, arms by their side, palms are facing forward. And this is the, uh, the position of the body that you should always bring your mind back to when you're dealing with words like anterior and posterior. So here you can see a few of those words, right? Superior and inferior, uh, basically meaning towards the head is superior and towards the feet is inferior. Then we've got lateral and medial, and that goes in sort of the opposite uh, direction there. Medial is in reference to the midline of the body. But remember, you have to understand what the midline is for that to really have meaning to you. And so the midline is a convention uh, that we need to remember, and it's a line that's drawn through the nose, through the chin, down the middle of the neck, uh, through the belly button, and then in between the legs. And that's the midline, not this way, that way. Uh, and anything closer to the midline is called medial and anything further away is lateral. And then we have words proximal and distal and these are usually in reference to the limbs. Uh, proximal means towards the origin of that limb and distal means towards the end of it. So the fingers would be distal. Second picture here we've got um, four more words. So you can see anterior and posterior. Anterior means in front of really so that's the front of the body and that's interchangeable with ventral. And then posterior means towards the back, and that's the same as dorsal, like where you see the dorsal fin on a shark, for example. Uh, cephalic is the same as superior, but it's a bit more specific to the, the head and the brain. 
and then caudal it means towards the tail and that's really you can think of it as the end of the spinal cord or the vertebral column so could you do these things could you describe the knee relative to the hip fingers relative to the elbow nose relative to the ear bone relative to skin sternum relative to the vertebral column the brain relative to the sacrum ah that should be cephalic shouldn't it cephalic or superior not caudal and so we have 14 terms in total and you really need to be able to identify the meaning of each of them and the opposite but it's not always that easy right we said anatomical position we've seen initially in the standing position um, but do those same words anterior superior do they apply if someone isn't standing up the answer is yes right they're always the same so the anatomical position is the same regardless of where that body is in space so if you have a look at this gentleman lying down on the right hand side even though his head is you know close to the table he's lying down that is still superior and his feet down the other end is still inferior if i asked you the question can you describe the the position of the sternum of this man relative to his vertebral column when he's lying on his back what would you say what's the position of the sternum it's still anterior right even though it might be closer to the roof because he's on his back it doesn't matter where he is in space it's always related to the anatomical position and even to take it to one more extreme if i held someone by their legs they're upside down their head which is now closer to the ground that's still superior to the feet right everything comes back to the default anatomical position which is just contained to that person's body it doesn't matter where they are in space righto so once you get your head around those uh, anatomical terms we need to understand these planes and there's three main planes of the of the body really and these are important because from the outside you know if you look at someone directly you can't really see much anatomy I mean you can see a few surface markings in the skin maybe some muscle but to really get a good view you have to look inside a person you need to get within them to see the muscle the bones the organs the nervous tissue and the slices and planes of the body are how we do this now you can see there's three and each of those slices go perpendicular to one another the sagittal plane goes through the midline of the body that's the mid sagittal plane and it divides the body into right and left halves the frontal plane is uh, perpendicular to this the sagittal and it divides the body into a front or an anterior and a posterior half and then we've got the transverse plane which is perpendicular again to the uh, to both of them um, and that divides the body into the superior and the inferior half so this is where you might see the sagittal plane on an MRI scan of the brain and the sagittal plane is particularly useful when we need to describe the position of things anterior and posterior to one another so I can see the tongue is anterior to the spinal cord it's also useful to say the brain is superior to the tongue but what I can't say using the sagittal plane is I can't say that the tongue is medial or lateral to the spinal cord because I can't see into the screen I can't see out of the screen just like I can't say the eye I can't see the eye on this picture 
because we're cut in the midline of the body. So we're lacking that medial to lateral dimension. Remember, this, these are 2D images. On the frontal plane, the two dimensions that we can see are lateral to medial. I can tell that the eyes are now lateral to the tongue. I can see that. I can still see that the brain is superior to the tongue. So they're the two dimensions. And what I'm missing is I can't see the anterior to posterior dimension. So I don't know how far through the head the tongue is. I can't see that the tongue is anterior to the nose because we're, we're cut in that coronal plane. This is a really common view of the coronal plane too, is the x-ray of the pelvis. And could you answer this question? Describe the position of the femur relative to the vertebral column. Well, here's the vertebral column and there's the femur. So you would say it's lateral and inferior. And you can say that as inferior lateral. And that's really all we can say using the coronal plane. I can't say that the femur is posterior to the vertebral column because I'm lacking that dimension. The third dimension is the transverse or horizontal plane. And this is particularly useful to tell the anterior, sorry, anterior down here and the posterior dimensions, and then the lateral to medial dimensions. But what can't we tell? I can't tell how superior or inferior things are relative to one another because we've just been cut on one level of superior inferior. So that's the, uh, the third dimension that we're missing here. Okay, could you label each of these? What's the blue one called? What's the red one called? And what's the yellow one called? This was coronal, this was transverse, and that was sagittal. Okay, have a look at this picture. What plane has the kidney been cut in? That's the coronal plane or the frontal plane. Notice how we've cut off the front half of the kidney. So we've divided into anterior and posterior halves. See these two images of the knee here. Which plane is the first image? I can see this is the patella. This is the femur and that's the tibia. So I can see this is superior. This is inferior. That would be anterior and this is posterior. So that's the sagittal plane, or you could call it parasagittal because it's not in the mid-sagittal plane. Um, and that's what the knee joint looks like through the sagittal plane, right? You see this uh, arrow here, that's pointing to a ligament. That ligament is called the anterior cruciate ligament. And look how we can see the full length of the ligament here. So as it goes from posterior femur to anterior tibia, you can see the full length of it. So this view, the parasagittal view of the knee, is particularly useful if you're trying to diagnose a anterior cruciate tear. Now what about the one on the right? Which plane is that cut in? It's still the knee joint. Uh, let me help you. So this would be superior and this is inferior. Uh, you can see the curved distal part to the femur, the condyles of the femur. And then you can see the plateau of the tibia. That's the superior part of the tibia or the proximal part. Uh, and then you see the joint space in between. Now that arrow is still pointing to the anterior cruciate ligament. So what plane is that? That's the coronal or the frontal plane. 
you can imagine that we've cut the knee and and taken off the front half or the back half and we're looking at the inside in that way and compare the usefulness of this view in diagnosing an ACL tear when you can just see a tiny little bit of it because we've cut through the ACL uh, on its short dimension. We haven't really been able to see the full length of the ACL. So I know which one I would use if I wanted to see if there was an ACL tear and that would be the sagittal plane. All right, let's go through some body cavities now. And now these aren't the same cavities as what you might have in your teeth. And they're not the same cavities that you might see in a cave. But the meaning of the word comes from the same place. And that really just means an opening or an empty space. Uh, and you can see we've got a lot of cavities in the body. Now their function is to protect and house organs because we know organs are generally squishy things. So they need some protection. And the cranial cavity is number one. That's the most superior cavity. It's contained within the skull. You can see one B here. That's the vertebral cavity where the spinal cord is. And then um, in the thorax area, the upper body, we have the thoracic cavity, right? That's a large cavity and it includes several smaller ones. So you can see the purple cavities, they would be the pleural cavities and the mediastinum is in between those pleural cavities. And what this particular picture is doing is it's dividing the mediastinum into inferior and superior. So that's the inferior mediastinal cavity and the superior mediastinal cavity. The heart itself is in the inferior one. And then you can see the big red cavity. What's that? The abdominal cavity. And think of an organ that might be in there. Maybe the stomach or the small intestine. And then we've got the green pelvic cavity and that's where the urinary bladder is for example righto so on the abdomen a little bit further we can divide the abdomen into regions or we can divide it into quadrants uh, and this is particularly useful if you were to do an abdominal exam on a patient to try and uh, feel for any irregularities or any areas of pain and um, you can see how we've got nine regions when you divide it like this and the regions are named based on uh, what anatomy they're close to essentially. If you start from the very middle, where the umbilicus or the belly button is, that's called the umbilical region. And then if you go left and right, you get the lumbar regions and that's because that's where the lumbar spine is. If you go up from there, we get the left and the right hypochondriac. Now hypo means below and cond, C-H-O-N-D, refers to cartilage. And so this is below the rib cartilage makes sense epigastric the one in the middle at the top that's above the stomach hypogastric is below the stomach and that's also in the center but it's below the umbilical region as well and then the last two are the left and the right iliac regions and these are named after the ilium a slightly more simple way to do things is to divide it into quarters and you can see you draw a cross through the uh, belly button there and you get an uh, a right and left upper and a right and left lower quadrant. Now if someone uh, came to you with really really sharp right uh, lower quadrant pain, just came on really fast um, but they're crying in pain, they can't even walk, um, what organ do you reckon might be involved there? Down here. This is where the appendix is and that's usually where people feel pain first in acute appendicitis. 
Um, and so this is where you can start to take this knowledge and, and use it with your friends. You know, if someone comes up to you and they say, I've got really, really sharp pain, uh, right iliac region, or they say right lower quadrant, then then that's when your brain should twig and go appendicitis. Maybe you should go and see a doctor. Okay, here are some questions uh, that you can test your knowledge on these regions and quadrants of the abdomen. But that's all I want to cover today. Um, I hope you got something out of it. And remember that everything comes back to that anatomical position and practice those words in conversation for them to really stick into your brain. Thanks for watching this video and I'll see you in the next one.